More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. All right, so we have started a new series called As You Go. Last week, we kind of laid the foundation for this in a way. Um, this, this concept that like as you go, like as we like move along in life, we are missional. This word missional is the adjectival form of mission, just like, you know, fictional is to fiction. Um, you know, we are going as missionaries. No matter where we go, we go as missionaries. So last week, we just kind of laid this groundwork. Today, I want to look at the groundwork again and then build upon it. And so last week, we kind of talked about how we want to like look at this concept of discipleship and say like, hey, we're all, as believers in this room, we're all disciple makers. Like we have to be. Like that's what Jesus calls us to be, is to be disciple makers. And so what does it look like for us? Where we're at, everybody in this room on a different journey. Okay, everybody on a different journey. But what does it look like to get to the point where we're making disciples? That's what it means. Like as you go, we're making disciples. And, and I think like the disconnect sometimes is like, you know, oh man, I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't really know how, um, you know, I, I'm so busy. We're going we're gonna to get to some of those things. Um, but the as you go concept is a lifestyle. It's a restructure. And it comes from Deuteronomy 6. And I'm, I want to read this to you. This is the Shema and, and Deuteronomy 6 um, that, that God gave to Moses. And this is really for the family, but I think it transcends into a lifestyle. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, or when you rise. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And so when we talk about this concept, okay, of raising the bar, like this concept of like, hey, here, here's where we're at right now. We want to raise the bar in our urgency, our urgency and our understanding, like of what it means to be a disciple who follows Jesus, who then goes and makes disciples who go and make disciples. You see the effect here. And so, I mean, like when I talk about raising the bar for like students, it's easy to, to kind of throw in, you know, like, hey, we want to like as middle schoolers, learn to take showers, put on deodorant, you know, come and not play Xbox all day. Like there's a raise the bar lifestyle, you know, kind of within that, um, you know, I mean, but when it comes to like us as adults, it's a little bit differently. You know, it's, it's kind of what we talked about last week, going from the, the comfortable raising the bar to the missional. So like we don't want to be passive as dads and husbands. Like, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to work too much to the neglect of our family. Um, we don't want to be someone else at work um, than we are like here on Sunday morning or in our small group or wherever it is. Like it's a lifestyle. Jesus is the center. The gospel is the center. Everything else works out from that. And then as we go, we make disciples, right? We make disciples. And last week I brought up four different areas um, where we can kind of be intentional at and, and kind of go out with urgency in this discipleship concept, really our family um, do you have children? Well, then you're a disciple maker. Um, our church, we have lots of children over there right now um, whose parents hopefully are in their life, but also need someone to disciple them. We have hundreds of kids on, you know, on our campus, whether it's children or you know, our middle schoolers and high schoolers on Wednesday night who need someone to disciple them. Also in our, in our community, just this as you go to work, as you go to your third place, 
um, whatever it is, and then to the world. Um, God has called us to make disciples, like the, the greatest or the, the most accurate statistics, kind of from Barna right now that I talked about last week. It's like 7.1 billion people in the world, and then like 2.9 of those are unreached, meaning they've never heard of Jesus. Um, and so like that even of itself, I think is a tension filler within that. And so I want to go ahead and give you the big idea this week. And it's going to be on the screen. And the big idea that I want to kind of start with and then build off of as we look at Acts 17 is this. Missional simply means, like this word missional, means to see the world through the eyes of a missionary. It's like that's the goal here, period. Like if you're an adult in the room, like that's the goal. Like with your life, you know, the big idea from last week, we are not missionaries because of where we live, but we are missionaries because we belong to a mission. That's the goal. Like young people, like that's the goal. We, we kind of disconnect missions often. We, we think of missions as the, the person in China or Africa or who kind of comes back or we send money to or we write the check to or we might go for five to seven days on a trip and do. But missional means to see the, the world through the eyes of a missionary. And so just to kind of present the problem right off the bat is, is I'm going to kind of give you four reasons why I think we don't do this. Um, why we say, all right, I don't really, you know, I'm not, I'm not missional or I'm not making disciples. And you can go ahead and put that on the screen as well. And, and problems with living a missional lifestyle, number one is, is really we don't know how to do it. You know, like I don't, I don't know how, I, I don't know like what it looks like in our homes I know I'm supposed to make disciples of my children, like as parents, like I, you know you're supposed to be the primary disciple maker in their life, um, but you really don't know how to do it. You've never been taught. Uh, you don't maybe feel adequate to do so. Um, you know, and, and so like here, here's kind of like what this looks like in the Gibson house right now, um, like with just the parent stuff. Like my daughter's two, we have a little son, like so it's not like we're sitting down at the table and opening up the Bible and, and reading scripture together. So Here's, here's kind of what we do. Um, we get together at dinner and we hold hands and pray family worship. It's, you know, pretty simple. Um, when my daughter goes to bed every night, we come into a room, my wife and I and my daughter, and we pray. Um, we hold hands, we pray, we, we're teaching her about Jesus just through like a simple like five-second prayer. Um, oftentimes, like what we do is, and my daughter is, is like a wrecking ball of energy, in a lot of ways right now. So she like will dance at like at any chance she gets and her dances are more like hops. And so I won't demonstrate to you, but like we'll, we'll turn on like music like Lecrae and she'll go to town, you know? And so it's like dance party in my living room. Um, of course I live here, right? Uh, the 90 degrees. Name that movie. Yes. Yeah. See, if we were at a student ministry night, we would all be standing up and doing this together right now. I wouldn't be the only like looking to fool here. Um, but like, that's where I live. So we, we enjoy like just having fun together in our home, um, teaching our daughter about Jesus through those simple ways of just praying right now and, you know, and, and turning on like good Christian rap music. And so some of you guys might think that's an oxymoron, but I promise it's not. Uh, it is actually really good. And so for us, that's what we do. And, and maybe you, you don't know how to, you're too busy, um, I think this might be an excuse that we give oftentimes when it comes to like serving in the church, connecting to a small group. But what I want you to see is like this as you go lifestyle, when it comes to being missional, we're not, 
And I'll think Jesus is saying this, and the Bible is saying this, and Luke is going to say this all throughout the book of Acts. We're not telling you to add things to your schedule. It's not like, hey, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, you need to be doing this. Really, it's just like, hey, as I go about my life, right? As I go about my life, I'm a missionary. Like, as I go, this is what I do. And so, like, last week we talked about, like, our work. Um, When you go to work, like, be a missionary. See yourselves there as a missionary. And so, um, like, you don't add to your schedule, obviously, when you go to work. Like, as you go, you're a missionary. When you go to your third places, uh, we mentioned this again last week. Like, my third place right now, weirdly, is Target and Foothills Mall. Um, We were at Foothills Mall again last night, you know, just me and Cora hanging out. And uh, went and saw a movie, and I mean, I saw several people there that we knew, and, and one of the places that we go in the warmer season is Sandy Springs, and, and uh, you know, it's, we hang out, and there's a lot of families there who are like our family, and just randomly through interactions and meeting people when we're there normally, like people have come to, to our church just by like leaving our house, you know, so like we leave our house, we meet people, and then we have relationships, and then like they come and, and maybe they meet Jesus, whatever it is. So like, what is your third place is, is really what I'm asking. Do you, are you in the season of life where you take your eight-year-old or nine-year-old to a basketball gym two or three nights a week? Third place. Like you don't go as a dad or a coach or as whatever. You go, yes, as those things, but as a missionary in that sense. As you go, we make disciples. And so we're not really ever asking, add stuff, add stuff, add stuff. It's a, it's a complete restructure. And then three, maybe you've never been discipled kind of within that. And so um, I think kind of within, within like the better question is like, how, you know, are you maybe afraid to be discipled? Um, what does it look like in your life when it comes to discipleship? And then four, you know, are you scared to live this lifestyle? And um, I don't think that, you know, when it comes to like passiveness or like comfortable, that's really what we just want to live at. And that's what we're, we really want to just continue to be called to. Um, and so, I mean, when it comes to like the men in our church, like I think that our men are incredible. Like I, I say it all the time. I, I think that our men are incredible. I think if like if we wanted to go and build a city somewhere, we could probably go build a city somewhere like uh, and and I but when it comes to like the spiritual city um okay we can go build a physical city like and all gather together when it comes to a spiritual city I want to know like like can the men in this room can we go do that you know that's what I mean by like raising the bar with urgency and and our understanding of discipleship um and I think our the women in our church are incredible too I think that scripture teaches a mark of a healthy church or which we're going to read in Acts 17 is just the ladies in the church as well um but are we at a place where we are being discipled. You know, like ask yourself, is someone pouring into your life? And why not if no one is pouring into your life? Is it, just, is it because you're scared or is it because you're prideful and you don't want to have someone in your life in that way? Um, you say you're too busy. What is it that's keeping you from this concept? And so kind of laying the groundwork there. Um, like I... Like a couple summers ago, and I do this every summer, I took some middle school guys to shoot guns. And uh, so it's, you can kind of say if that's smart or not later, but like I took some middle schoolers to shoot guns. And like the whole purpose of the whole, like the theme of the event was courage and, and manhood. And, and so like we're sitting there with a, a 12 gauge shotgun and a Magnum 357 revolver. 
and I'm having each middle school student come up and, and shoot, shoot a gun. And, and a lot of times it's like their first time they've ever shot a gun. And so like you can see like how nervous they are kind of within this. And so they come up and some of the middle school students are like visibly shaking because they're so nervous that they don't want to shoot a gun. And so you can like see them um, shaking when they shoot. And then like they, ha- the, they would hand me the gun back and it would be like super gross and sweaty, you know, because of like how nervous they were. Um, but the whole concept of, of that was trying to teach them that just because something makes them nervous doesn't mean they're not supposed to do it. Um, and like, I'm trying to instill this in our young guys constantly. Like, just because something makes you nervous, like just because like you, you get, you, you know, your, your palms get sweaty, your heart starts beating a little bit. Um, that doesn't mean you're not supposed to do it. In fact, the mark of maybe following Jesus within this concept and posture of being courageous and daring and following him and maybe a mark of manhood and womanhood is that when we are nervous, like we go after it, you know? And, and so this, this whole concept of as you go, this, this lifestyle, I want to ask you there, even before we get into Acts 17, um, what's keeping you from it? What's keeping you from an as you go lifestyle? And so let's look at Acts 17 here. And I want to I dive into verses 1 through 9, just like we did last week in the form of just, I'm not going to read it and make like three or four points, but I want to read it and walk through it and uh, just kind of make some observations as we go through it. So um, this is Luke writing, this is Paul and Silas heading to Thessalonica, and in verse 1, this is what we see. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia... They came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And so now that when they had passed through, so the first thing I think we see is that, like, they were actually going, you know? Um, They were going. They were getting up, like, out of bed, and they were going to work, what we do every day. And they were coming to church on Sunday morning. They were going to small group whenever. Um, They were going to their third places, just like we do. So, like, they passed through. Here's Paul and Silas walking through. They're doing their deal. They're doing life just like we do, right? Like, it's not, no excuse here on, on the end of, like, I'm too busy. I don't know how to do it. We go about life just like they do. The difference, I think, is a mindset, Okay, I think the difference is a mindset. Like here they go as missionaries. We're going to see what happens uh, throughout this verse. And then maybe kind of with us, we go just as, hey, we're going to this thing or we're going to work or we're going to church and everything might be compartmentalized. And so like the whole concept here is as we go, we are going with this same, same mindset within this. And, and, and so as you go, as you pass through, this is what they're doing. There was a, and where there was a synagogue of the Jews, verse two, and Paul went in. And so Paul sees a synagogue, you know, it's like Trent and a Dunkin' Donuts. Every time he sees one, he's there. Paul went in to the synagogue as was his custom. So it was normal for him to go into, to go and do this. You know, like it was, it was like he would see these things and, and do it. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like, oh man, like, oh, I'm nervous. Maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. Um, but it was his custom to do it. It was, it was, it was his second, maybe a second nature to go in and to do these things. And then we see uh, on, and on three Sabbath days. So, in, and Paul went in as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And so, 
just kind of the point here is like to live a missional lifestyle, it's not just restructuring your lives to go about and doing these things, um, but you have to know God's word. Like you have to know scripture. And, and so I think one of the marks of like our, our younger generation, and if you'll think through this with me here, um, some of the greatest research right now on what people are calling late adolescents or emerging adults are, are, are all darker characteristics. They're not like characteristics like, you know, they serve a lot, they give a lot, really because they don't have any money. You know, they, they really care about other people. Um, here are the characteristics that all research, like the, the best of the best research is pointing to about the next generation is that um, they want to pursue sexual freedom. So they don't want anybody to tell them what to do when it comes to sexual freedom. Um, they are morally tolerant. And so what I believe is fine, what you believe is fine. They are disengaged, like institutionally. And so um, I think that's why there's a huge conference movement happening amongst 18 to 23 year olds is because they don't really want to commit to something that's going to hold them accountable, like a local church. And, uh, you know, so like they, they disengage, they're not active in their communities. They're not active um, politically. They're not active, you know, civilly, whatever it is. And, and, and so then we, we kind of also see um, that they're very entitled um, and, you know, they, they think about themselves in such a way that is kind of all about them. And when it comes to this, this concept of like learning scripture, I think that a great mark, if I could throw this in here of like the younger generation, is that they're also biblically illiterate. Like they don't really know the Bible. And like when I, and, and I think it obviously comes with time and a process of teaching them and having them learn. But here's the scary thing of, of what this guy, Christian Smith, is saying about the younger generation. And like the older people kind of look down on it. Maybe you can have one posture about them, you know, where it's like, oh, they're pes- you're pessimistic about them or you're hopeful about them. But here's really what he says, and I'll just kind of throw it out there just to see where it lands. But he says, he says that like the, the, the characteristics of every generation throughout history have been reflective of the, of the generations who have come before them. And so here, here's what this means. Like if, and he says it this way, like if you held up a mirror to the adult generation today, um, that's what the younger generation is moving towards, you know? And so we see these marks and we look down and we're like, oh man, what's going on here? That's why I think discipleship is so por- important in our home, in our, in our churches, in our community, globally, whatever it is, is because it doesn't just stop with us, right? It doesn't just stop here, but everything like in, when it comes to our faith throughout history from Genesis through, you know, the Old Testament, from Matthew, through Acts, to when Jesus comes back in Revelation, is all about the faith being passed down from one generation to the next generation. And so, like, there is a weird tension when it comes to research like that, that's saying, like, the, the, the generation of today is being reflected by what's happening with the generation who has gone before them, kind of within that. And so, like, I, I say all that to say, like, we have to know the Bible as adults. Like, if we want to teach our young people to follow Christ and to follow Jesus and to know what it's like, you know, to have joy and purpose and meaning in this life that's wrapped up in following Christ, then we have to know it. Like, we got to know it. We have, like, as adults, we have to know why we believe what we believe. We have to be able to sit down and get to a place and uh, get to a point where we can explain the scriptures like Paul. You know, he reasoned with them. He talked to them about Jesus. We have to know like what's right and what's wrong. 
You know, there's a, there's a big issue when it comes to like tolerance with this, this generation that's coming up behind us. Um, we have to know why like God has ordained roles within manhood and womanhood and why sexuality is, you know, is, is frameworked in such a way. Um, you know, we have to have an objective stance on homosexuality. We have to have an objective stance on things like abortion that we, we talked about already this morning. Um, that's, that's the picture here. Like Paul, like Paul obviously didn't wake up and go into a synagogue and start reasoning. Like he, he woke up and said, all right, where am I? You know, as a, a follower of Jesus after this Damascus experience, you know, he obviously knew the Old Testament. Um, but where are you now? Where are you? Where are you at today? Where are you at in your, in your journey with Christ um, when it comes to, hey, like I am called to make disciples. How do I get to that point? Like how do I raise the bar? How do I get to the point to make disciples? And so Paul went in as was his custom and he reasoned with them from the scriptures. And so really we want to we want to raise the bar here um, kind of within that. And so like we have to share Jesus with our words too. Like we can't just like walk around and and, and like serve people and, and do these things like which obviously leads to a missional lifestyle. Um, yes, but we have to, to share Christ, I think, with our words as well and be vocal about who he is. That's why we have to know what we believe in order to share it. We also have to know what we believe in order to defend it. Let's, let's see what continues to happen here. So verse one, now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonium, they came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as this was custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. So like there's an actual point to his message to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ. And so like there's the point, there's the pinnacle, there's the framework, there's the exclamation point in a sense, like here's what our message is, right? When When I'm teaching to students or what's happening over there, every time you walk in here, like really the, the foundation of our faith is saying that Jesus is the only way. Like there's no other name outside of Jesus in which praise and worship and adoration of God and salvation, right? And life and purpose and meaning and joy comes from other than what Jesus did for us. Like we proclaim what Christ did. Right? We, we worship because of what Jesus did for us. Like we go about our lifestyles freely, like in our country, what we're doing today in here when we leave Monday through Friday because of what Jesus did for us. Right? He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Right? We become Jesus' righteousness while he becomes our sin. Like that's the message we proclaim. Like that's what we live for. Um, that's what we hopefully can get excited about. Like that's what, what's like why as dads, like we're not passive. Like we don't just like leave and go home, sit in our recliners, don't talk to our children, don't date our wives. Um, we do those things because of Jesus right? Like why we get up every day, we roll up our sleeves, even if we're sick and even if we're not really feeling like it and we go to work and we work hard for our families, we provide, we have a budget, we're responsible with our money. We give to our local church, we give to missions, we do those things. Um, We're engaged in our communities, we're engaged civically, we're engaged politically, we understand what's happening in our culture. Why? Not because for our benefit, 
um, really because of Jesus, which leads to our benefit, right? Which leads to our posture in life. It leads to our purpose in life. It leads to our meaning in life. And, uh, and so when we come to this, this Jesus who I proclaim to you is the Christ. That is the foundation of everything we do as believers. That's the foundation of everything we do missionally here. Missions locally, globally, at Foothills Church, students, children, small groups, whatever, Jesus. And so we have to come to terms with Jesus, like first of all. So, so let me explain it this way. Like every religion um, teaches outside of Jesus, like outside of Christianity, teaches that like to get to God and to get to heaven, we have to work our way up the mountain. So like we have works that we have to do. We have things that we have to do um, to get to God who's at the top of the mountain. So it's like works-based religion. Christianity from Genesis to Revelation is the only like worldview and belief system that talks about a God who doesn't require you to work your way up to the mountain. Like who, who like this picture of a God who sees us in, in who we are, um, our situations, our sin, kind of our context, then comes down from the mountain for us. Like that's, that's praiseworthy right there. Like a God who doesn't require the works to get to him, but meets us, comes down the mountain in our place, in the form of his son, Jesus. And in Jesus, when we are in him, we get to experience everything that every other worldview and religion teaches as you work your way up your mountain. You know, like that, that is, is awe, you know, jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring, like truth that's proclaimed. I think when Paul walks into these places and he's like, here's what we believe. Like, this is it. Like, this is how it changes everything. This is the postures that we live with. And he continues. So he, he continues, verse four. And some of them were persuaded. Some of them believed. Some of them didn't. Um, and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. So like some of you like are persuaded in a way, like in the sense like, hey, you've maybe have not, come to Foothills as a believer, but you've, got, you've come here and you've heard about this Jesus who God raised from the dead, who gives purpose to life and means to life. And then you're persuaded to believe in him in a sense. Like you're persuaded, um, you know, in the form of like, hey, you came as a deadbeat dad and, and now you're involved in your family's life. You're persuaded, you know. Maybe some of you guys are still trying to figure out what Foothills is all about. Some of you all, in a way, if I can say it's appropriately, came here beardless, you know, and now you're like, oh man, to be cool, I got to grow one of those. And so when it comes to persuasion, like this is, this is the concept, like some of them are believing, some of them are not. And, uh, and as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. And so we see like, even like the women who were, um, worthy of respect, maybe a Proverbs 31 framework posture, those who um, clothe themselves in biblical principles, Luke calls them leading women in this sense. And so I know like in the church world, like if, if you come from like a, a, a Baptist leaning or whatever and, and some other conservative, um, which we think Bible believing, um, you know, churches kind of lean towards is that oftentimes like women might feel like they don't have a place in the church, um, which I think is, is, is wrong, you know, it's, it's, it's distorted, um, you know, and, and what could potentially look like a, a male-dominated leadership type of place. 
Um, and, and obviously we, have, we believe that Scripture teaches that women can serve in any other way other than what Paul has prescribed for pastors. Um, but here's, here's what I, I want to say is like, we hold a high view of, of womanhood here at Foothills. Like we love, um, you know, the, 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 the ladies that God has brought to us. Um, and there's, like if you're like new and trying to figure out what Foothills is all about, like as a, as a, a you know, as a woman who loves Jesus, there's great place for you at Foothills. You know, like um, it's not like, hey, where can I serve? But like we want to pursue you to serve and to come and to, to lead in different ways and to, you know, to model to your family in different ways. And I think that happens all throughout these local churches in the book of Acts. Um, you know, verse four, some of them were persuaded, like some of them believed, but not a few of the leading women. It's like women like saw this godly leadership and they were like, hey, I can get behind that. You know, like, hey, I, I respect that. Um, and I want to I wanna be a part of that. And I want to I wanna serve in that way. And I want to champion these things. Um, and, and that's really the, the sounding, clanging symbol that we obviously want to, to proclaim and, and bring forth is that, you know, God has a huge plan, not just for our men, but for our women and our church. And he is doing some huge things in the lives of our women in our church. And so verse five, but the Jews were jealous in taking some wicked some of the wicked men of the rabble, and they formed a mob. And then they set the city in an uproar. All right, they set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. So I love, just love this picture that we're seeing here in the early church where like, when, when Jesus is talked about, like things get unsettled, you know? So it's like when, when you go home and talk about Jesus and your family, like it's, it's unsettling um, because of sin, you know? Like you might, have a, you might be parenting a teenager and you're trying to have like family worship and family faith talks, but they're like trying to detach themselves from that because that's not cool, you know? And, and so like you're, you're struggling with the tension. Um, Jesus brings that. Like it's good, but it's also costly, um, things get unsettled. Cities get set in uproars in a way. You know, like things happen. Um, when, when Jesus comes on the scene, like it's, it's good, but it's also scary. You know, like because to, to live a life of following Christ, there's an aspect where like we submit to him, but we only submit to him like what's comfortable in our life. It's so, like if we actually took Genesis to Revelation completely seriously, um, maybe our lives would be com- drastically different. Maybe our city would be drastically different. Maybe this uproar would begin to take place. Maybe people would continue to, to notice. Maybe things would continually be unsettled in your families, in, in, at work, um, in your third places, um, in our church, in, in the nations, wherever it is. I think when Jesus comes on the scene, he brings right goodness. But what does he say in Matthew 10? Like I've not come to bring peace, comma, but a, but a sword. It's like Jesus doesn't just necessarily come and like, you know, lollipops and raindrops fall, you know, fall from the sky. Um, Jesus comes and he, that passage in Matthew 10 continues. It's, it's, it's weird. It talks about like how, you know, fathers 
turn against their sons and sons turn against their fathers and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, have not come to bring peace but a sword. Um, in a way, though, like Jesus comes to bring both. Like he comes to bring peace, like salvation, sanctification, joy in our life. But he also comes and he brings a sword against everything that is going to stand in the way of those things. Does that make sense? Like everything that's going to stand in the way of like you being a, you know, the primary disciple maker of your children. Everything that's going to stand in the way of you doing what it takes, um, you know, to be missional in and of itself in that sense. And so verse seven, he continues, and Jason has received them and they all acting against the decrees of Caesar saying that there is another king, Jesus. Verse eight, and the people in the city authorities again were disturbed. So something was happening here. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And so if missional is seeing the world through the eyes of a missionary, like what are you doing in your life that's going to that's gonna cause this stuff. Family, community, culture, you know, our church, world. And, and so in closing real quick, I want to give you some application to kind of build off of and, and take from today. And here, here's kind of the application in and of itself. Like what does it mean to, to build a missional lifestyle? Um, you can go, go ahead and go to the next slides, Josh, the, the last slide there. What does it mean to, to build a missional lifestyle? Four pillars here. I think, first of all, it means sharing unchanging truth, but differently, right? So, like, tell your story. Like, Cora and I went and saw the movie Frozen last night. Like, it was her first movie ever. It was like, I think it's going to be, like, our kids, like, Beauty and the Beast. Like, in a weird way, I know every song for Beauty and the Beast. Um, manhood brought down. But, like, we love stories, right? Stories give us everything we want and hope for, but leave us wanting more. Um, tell your story, share on changing truth differently. Like when I left Frozen, I felt like an Auburn fan, you know, like I was on top of the world last night, uh, felt like a million dollars because I heard redemptive themes happening throughout Frozen, um, but differently. Like, it, you know, that's what I wanted. That's what Jesus gives. Share it differently. To focus less on behavior and more on wonder. Um, parenting is, is crucial here. When it comes to um, discipleship. This is crucial here. When we bring Jesus, we bring like the, the, the amazingness of who he is, not necessarily like, hey, change your behavior to get to Jesus. Instead, it's Jesus comes and meets us and then changes our behavior. It's not like putting band-aids over things and trying to fit a certain mold, but we want to focus more on wonder and less on really behavior. And then three, focus less on preference and more on truth in, in, in and of its Self. And so like when it comes to the church, when it comes to your family, uh, when it comes to traditions, when it comes to um, it's whatever, when it, when it comes to preference, um, focus less on, on those postures um, and focus more on truth, like what Paul proclaimed, Jesus, right? And then four, focus less on rules and, and more on relationships. Um, a good rule of thumb is parenting or just really anything. Rules without relationships leads to rebellion, like rules without relationships equals rebellion. And so like we have to, like as believers, build relationships, go in, um, you know, love people in Christ, do these things, share unchanging truth, focus less on behavior, focus less on preference, focus less on rules, and then do these other things, right? Do these other things as you go and as you go into your work, into your families um, and make disciples, right? The big idea 
being missional, seeing the world through the lens of a missionary, um, but also kind of building off last week, is that, you know, we're not missionaries because of where we live, but because we belong to a, a mission. And that mission is great, and we have a high standard. We want to raise the bar in everything that we're doing missionally um, in our lives. And so uh, I'm going to close. I'm going to pray for us. In, in the back, and in, in when you leave the, the worship center, um, we have a prayer and care room. If you want to know what, it's, what it means to follow Christ, go and do that. Um, you know, I would encourage you to, to follow Jesus today. Like if you are in a place where you want to talk more about what it means to, to lead your family spiritually, come talk to me. Like I love that stuff. Like I, I eat that stuff up all day. Like I would love to talk about like dads leading spiritually, leading family faith talks, like praying with their kids, dating their daughters, you know, doing crazy awesome man stuff with their sons. You know, like that's what fires me up. Um, but if, if Jesus is doing something else in your life, in your heart, or whatever we've talked about today, go there as well. We have counselors who would love to talk to you about what it means to live, live for Jesus as we go. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.